This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. No strings till the hank comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it. We're all just trying to make it in this crazy town. Welcome into the door report. It is episode 211. It is a Wednesday night, a rare Wednesday TDR, not a Thursday. Feels a little weird. Nothing to really hype up, but we do have a Michigan matchup to get you guys hyped up and excited for on Saturday. 11 a.m. tip-off between Vandy and Michigan. Stackhouse versus uh, Juwan Howard, so we'll talk about that. But we are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, family-owned and operated for more than two decades. Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors since 1995. Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service. Growing from a one-man shop to a team of 23 professionals who share the founder's passion for quality craftsmanship and customer satisfaction. If you're interested in contacting them, you can find their headquarters at 2505 Winford Avenue in Berry Hill or give them a call at 615-356-0303 or log on to alacofinewoodfloors.com. Gentlemen, we start with a little Vandy Boys today. We'll talk about their series with Ole Miss this weekend. Top 10 matchup starts Thursday night. Uh, they'll go through Saturday. And I'll get uh, I'll get the boys' final opinions on Vandy being quote-unquote snubbed from the NCAA tournament. Has the pain eased at all? We'll ask that question. Miles Studi enters the portal. Uh, Vandy beats Yale uh, yesterday. And they've got a matchup with Michigan coming up on Saturday. So, Trevor, Will, how we doing? I know it's been a while, but um, I- I'll wait for the for the pain. I know, Trevor, you had an answer to that. But, Will, the, the vibes have just kind of mellowed out. Not too excited about anything, but also not too down because, you know, the days have progressed a little bit here since the, the selection show. Yeah, and if anybody listening to this didn't tune in to the Twitter spaces that we had after Selection Sunday – when we got a lot of our raw emotions out and a lot of our, uh, I won't even say analysis of Vanderbilt's not even being snubbed from the tournament, but I feel like it was more the snub from being the first four out. And that's what a lot of Vanderbilt fans had an issue with. And, you know, you asked, and I'm sure we'll get into this, and I cannot wait to hear Trevor's opinion on the question of how the pain has eased, if it has eased, uh, and how we are feeling now. I cannot wait on Trevor's answer. But from my end, I didn't really have an expectation of Vanderbilt being selected as an at-large bid. Uh, I think tweeted. that, a, yeah, as I tweeted, uh, I think that it got a little bit confused in Vanderbilt fans' minds of Vanderbilt being underranked in the NCAA net and being a deserving team of an NCAA tournament berth. Vanderbilt was undeniably underranked in the NCAA net. It, I think they finished the season at 81st, uh, the regular season and the SEC tournament at least. But they weren't necessarily a team that had done enough throughout the entire year and then done enough at the end of the season to make up for the issues that they had early in the year uh, and being at large team. So that's where I said is that, you know, the la- the final 10 games of the season aren't factored in like they used to be. And I think that's a big adjustment for fans uh, when viewing the NCAA tournament. But the main thing is Vanderbilt got a little disrespected in the rankings, but I don't think they were disrespected enough to the point. I would say they were even snubbed from the tournament. Now being a three seed in the NIT, that's a whole different level. And, and all that being said from the eye test, Vanderbilt's obviously an NCAA tournament team. I mean, I think they were actually ranked lower than Yale 
in the NCAA net rankings. And yeah. those teams, those two teams were not comparable. I mean, the athletes on Vanderbilt's side, even without Liam Robbins and without Miles Studi, Vanderbilt was a different tier of talent and athleticism. So it's frustrating to see this Vanderbilt team perform like an NCAA tournament team, but they just didn't have the resume on paper, even though what we saw with our eyes was an NCAA tournament team. So Trevor, I know you were down after selection Sunday. How are you feeling now? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I will state in his opinion on, on why he thought Vanderbilt wouldn't get in. I was of the opposite that I thought, even though I agreed um, that the start of the season was a disaster, I thought that they had done enough later in the season to not just from a fan perspective deserve to get in, but I thought they were going to get in. Um, I thought we were probably going to play like one of the 11 seed playing games. That's what I thought. Um so my hopes and expectations were a little bit higher than Will's. Uh, to the question, has the pain eased? I think it actually is might it might have gotten worse. Um, <laughs> Sunday, I was in a really really bad place. I t- oh, so Sunday Sunday was awful. I love and everybody on this on on this pod loves Vanderbilt with all their heart. The Vanderbilt getting snubbed on Sunday is probably up there with the Eagles Super Bowl loss this past year for me. Like it, and the Eagles don't even come close to Vanderbilt in my heart, but just, just the snubbing was probably up there. Um, It has gotten worse. Why has it gotten worse? Because um, I didn't watch the um, Mississippi state pit game. Cause I was at Memorial, watching Vanderbilt play Yale. Also, Will made a note that Yale had a better net than Vanderbilt. Uh, I think Yale was 64 in the net. Vanderbilt was 81. Um, So that's a little bit more salt in the wound. But, yeah, I did get to catch the tail end of the the Pitt-Mississippi State game on the way home from the game last night. I listened to the radio. And then I checked the commentary on Twitter, and whenever I saw everybody saying that it was – absolutely disgusting basketball between the two teams that that does the knife in a little bit deeper so is, i'm not in a great mental space right now is it just me or is Pitt or is mississippi state not a very good like i i don't think mississippi state's a very good team at all i know they had a they beat marquette early in the season that's probably that felt like everybody kept talking about that but i watch mississippi state and i'm like I want to go throw up. Like I, I don't want to watch basketball anymore. Like they, they're they're an awful team to watch. And I know sometimes that wins games, but man, I I look at them and I'm like, the way Vandy's playing, that I couldn't stop thinking about what Vandy could have done in the tournament. So I'm kind of in the middle of you guys. I woke up Sunday morning and was like, I don't know what the hell's going to happen. Uh, they could get in, like you know, like they got the nine seed. I forget what year was that 2016 where we didn't know if Vandy was getting in, but they got the nine seed with Fisher Davis and 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 those guys. But I I, I kind of had that feeling like what if this team gets comfortably in as a ten somehow? Like I I woke up not knowing what was going to happen. I think a lot of people did, but I'm kind of in the middle of you guys. So, I, but I watch Mississippi State and I'm like I don't see I don't see it. I, like I I just I don't see a very good team at all. And Pitt was Pitt was Pitt was the better team I thought. I mean that's exactly what my point was I think the whole time it's very painful for me to have the opinion and take that I had which was I don't think Vanderbilt's going to get in now being a fan of basketball my entire life playing as long as my very mediocre talents would take me watching those teams play I think Vanderbilt's the better team at the end of the season right now yeah and so that's Uh the that's what that's the tough part is I was just having to sit there and say from the perspective of the committee and putting myself in their shoes that probably have not watched a ton, uh, to be honest, of these bubble teams and of of these uh, Vanderbilt games even. But the bigger conundrum, I would say, that we won't even get into within this that we talked about quite a bit on the Twitter spaces is how the SEC overall outside of Alabama was pretty damn underseeded, including Texas A&M at a seven seed. The moment that I saw Texas at end of the seven, I knew yep. it was over. Vandy's not getting for Vanderbilt. Yeah. There was absolutely no shot. Tennessee at a four, Kentucky at a six, 
uh, Arkansas at an eight or a nine, uh, I believe. I think, I think Arkansas nine. is a nine. Yeah, yeah they're and nine Auburn's an eight, right? And, no, yeah. the, our, Auburn, so, I think, is a nine as well, I want to say. Yeah. They're one, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. That's, you know, split it. It doesn't really matter in the point yeah. that I'm making. That The main victim in the seeding in the <laughs> overall NCAA tournament from, from the SEC was Texas A&M. And there were other examples of, obviously, this was a huge shift in truly equal weighting of games throughout an entire season, which is once again, the biggest issue I think this podcast has had, not just from this season for Vanderbilt, but just from how teams play college basketball and how coaches design their teams and go from a larger rotation to a smaller rotation. That sounds great in theory, but it's going to change how coaches play college basketball and coach from the beginning of the year. And that's, you know, I don't know if that's for better, if that's for worse, that's up for debate. In my opinion, it's for worse because you end up not having these teams like Vanderbilt that are playing their best ball at the end of the year and can potentially make a run it hurts uh, them, out yeah. of those. Yeah, out of those uh, last four teams. And I don't see it. Uh, maybe Arizona State can do it. They're up 13 to three against Nevada right now as we're recording this. But I don't see any of those last four teams that were selected in beating any of the six seeds that they'll be matched up against. And I think that's yeah. one of the most disappointing <laughs> things is it was four teams that were pretty unexciting uh, to watch. And just really, there was that cutoff at the net. Vanderbilt just didn't have it. And I'm sick of saying the words NCAA net. I don't know about you, Billy and Trevor. I, I am. I, I will say too, uh, kudos to Will for calling the cutoff. Um, I saw you tweet about that and – I think you talked about it too on the pod and I honestly didn't believe you, but you are totally right. There clearly was a cutoff. Um, That is, that is very evident. I think we said it on the spaces, but I I went back and checked it. The lowest at large bid given by the committee was to number 67 Pittsburgh. So I think think there was a group cutoff at 70 and I don't think maybe any teams were considered below 70. Now, when Vanderbilt didn't jump to like 79, I knew that there was no way they were going to put a team in from the 80s uh, in the Mm -hmm. NCAA. And there were a lot of there's a lot of mid-majors that are in like 40s and 50s in the net. So that's why you saw some mid-majors like Drake. Um, and and Charleston get high seeds. Um, you know, and they usually put a, tw- a high seed out of 12, but we'll get to all that. We'll get to, we'll ask the question. I know Trevor answered it there, but we'll, we won't harp too much on uh, the selection show. We'll get to it a little bit. We'll preview the Vanny Boys and Ole Miss this weekend. Before we do, though, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, Give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. All right, let's get to the breaking news. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to a Laco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. A Laco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, guys, let's start with a little bit of baseball. Uh, we won't spend a whole lot of time on it, but uh, top 10 matchup at the Hawk this weekend. Number six, Vandy. Number three, Ole Miss. Prime time, a couple primetime games, at least for college baseball standards. Thursday night, tomorrow, uh, it'll be on ESPNU, 6 o'clock first pitch. Carter Holton on the mound. And then Hunter Owen will be on the mound Friday night, 6 o'clock on the SEC Network Plus. And then Devin Futrell will go Saturday, 11 a.m., on SEC Network. Guys, it's going to be cold and windy and rainy. It's going to be tough baseball conditions. 54 degrees. I was looking at the weather. 54 degrees on Thursday, 29 degrees on Friday, and 48 on Saturday. So good luck to the, to the players. Yeah, I, I, that's, I was looking at the 10-day forecast. Friday's going to be freezing. So I know you, you were thinking about going, Trev. That might have uh, – Oh, had, had brother, <laughs> I am going. Tickets have been bagged. I will say, shout out to – it doesn't really help, but apparently whenever the temperatures are under 40 degrees, um, they give out free hot chocolate to the fans. So Boom, I, I was going to say – I'll be drinking up. The beer stays cold as well. You don't – you know, hey, it won't beer ha- won't stays cold work. and it warms you up. <laughs> won't have to worry about that but credit to to um 
you know, these two teams ahead of time this weekend. The, the weather they're going to be playing in. Uh, weekend promotions, blackout at the Hawk on uh, on Thursday. And then uh, you also got bobblehead night on Friday, Kyle Wright uh, bobblehead night. And then, guys, I want to throw this out there. They're having a Friday concession happy hour. Every Friday, every Friday home game from gate opening time until first pitch, Vandy's offering happy hour specials on select food items and drinks. I think that's very cool. I think that's a oh, key yeah. from when the gates open to first pitch, it's happy hour. So I think that's a little incentive for people, a lot of road fans, you know, that might come in and even home Vandy fans that, you know, they can enjoy, enjoy themselves, right? If they get off uh, off work and head over to the Hawks. So I think uh, some of those promotions are cool. Trevor, I know you had a recap over the weekend against Loyola Marymount. Vanderbilt took two out of three from them, but Ole Miss, Defending national champs coming to Nashville mm-hmm. this weekend. They lost a lot from last year. Mike Elko, Dylan DeLucia, Kevin Graham, all those guys. But they brought in a lot from the transfer portal. Uh, they, yeah. They're coming off a midweek loss to Jacksonville State. Uh, they, that's just their second loss of the season. This is an elite hitting team. I was telling Will before we went on, they have a 352 team batting average, top five in the country. But mm-hmm. their strength of schedule, if if anybody even looks at that right now, is, has not been great. They haven't played the best competition outside of some of the ranked teams they have played. But they've got a guy, Tulane transfer, Ethan Groff, hitting 397 right now. Kemp Alderman and Calvin Harris are also playing well for Ole Miss. So what an opportunity for Vandy, guys, to to welcome in an Ole Miss team who's the reigning national champs and another SEC team who won a national title. So, Trev, I'll start with you. For Vandy, the bats have to improve. I know we talked about this, and, and even Will brought it up before we, we we went on the air here. If they don't improve the bats, you're almost looking at a middle-of-the-pack type SEC team. I know they've played tough competitions, but you know you got to get those rolling, especially this weekend. It's a good weekend to get it rolling against a top-five team. It is. Yeah, the bats – Um. And I'm not the first person. I'm not the only person to say this. I feel like every Vandy Boys fan has sort of has sort of said the same thing. Uh, the bats have been very, very alarming. Um, it was nice to see them wake up against Belmont yesterday. I yeah. hope that's not an anomaly. Um, I knew it was supposed to be cold this week, and I did not know it was supposed to be 29 on Friday. Um, with that being said, I would not expect the bats to wake up. No. Um Small ball this time. weekend, it would be small ball baseball and cold weather is small ball time. Um, I agree. The bats have to wake up. I think a bigger I think a bigger story is Vanderbilt has been leaving a lot of runners on base. Mm-hmm. Um, and I almost think that that is not almost. I actually do think that's a little bit more problematic than um, than the bats right now. Um, I said in the recap, Vanderbilt is ranked like 160th in team batting average right now. Um, I think the leader on the team, I'm just going off the top of my head, I think is, is it RJ, RJ Shrek. RJ Shrek. I think it's guys, Shrek. Yeah. I think Shrek's batting like 350 right now. Yeah. He's doing really, really well. Um, but you're gonna you you can't keep stranding guys on base. Um, that is a recipe for disaster. Anybody who has ever watched any ounce of baseball knows that that is um that's really, really bad. You got to bring those guys in. Whether it be by hits, um, sack fly, sacrifice plays, or even getting walks, um, yeah, you just you got to bring those guys in. Uh, I think one thing that really helps Vanderbilt this weekend um, is that they are incredibly aggressive on the base paths. Um, maybe too aggressive sometimes, I think. But uh, when the bats aren't working, you have to you have to be aggressive on the base paths. You have to move guys around. You have to make the defense make mistakes. Um, because scoring runs are at a premium. Uh, so the bats have to wake up. Uh, they have to start, uh, getting some runners, uh, can't leave those guys on base anymore. Um, I will say though, as long as the starting pitching and the bullpen continues at the rate that it is going, I feel very confident about this team. Yeah. Um, the pitching is so good that I hate to say they can afford to not be great at the plate, but they can afford not to be great at the plate. Um, the starting pitching has been outstanding. Um, this past weekend, the Friday and Saturday game, they didn't dip into the bullpen at all. They only um, – right. it was the starters, and then they pulled two guys to finish out the game. So um, if pitching can stay healthy, then this team can beat anybody in the nation. And like you said, 
Um, Vanderbilt has one of the toughest schedules up until this point so far. Right. Um, and I don't think we should take that for granted. Uh, UCLA was a great team. UCLA had elite pitching. Um, Cambria Classic, they played some really, really good teams. Uh, and opening weekend, um, they played a great TCU team, Texas, mm-hmm. Oklahoma State. Um, don't – it's easy to say right now, don't worry about them, but whenever – you see them go inning after inning after inning without playing anybody. You start to freak out a little. Um, but I'm, I'm still not entirely. I'm not. I'm not freaking out yet. As long as their no. pitching does well, then they're going to beat anybody in the nation. And will I know yeah. you had some stats on their strength on their you know the teams they've played. They, they're they're the competition they've played has been pretty damn good. Yeah, I think that's like we. Everyone knows it that actually follows Vanderbilt baseball. Even me, who is definitely a box score watcher at this point in the season. I keep up with them, but I'm not going to lie. I don't watch every game. I'm watching highlights and, and checking the stats. But Vanderbilt's sitting last place uh, in the SEC in batting average. I think they're batting .254. Um, mm-hmm. So that's obviously never a place you want to sit. My eyes widened when I saw that stat uh, prepping for this podcast. So then I started, you know, digging in a little bit more. You know, I, I had seen two runs, two runs. But that feels like a common complaint with this team, especially early in the season under Tim Corbin, kind of getting mm-hmm. their feet underneath them. Uh, but the pitching has been good, as Trevor mentioned. But when you look at the level of competition that they've played so far, it's not just where they rank in some team rankings strength and schedule. Yeah, Jesus Christ, the net. <laughs> I got the net on the mind, of course. This is uh, actually the RPI. Uh, is what this is going on. There, well. Hell so yeah! According to according to D one baseball, Vanderbilt has played eight games uh, versus teams in the Ooh. top fifty of the RPI. For context, LSU has played one team in the top fifty RPI. Tennessee has played one team uh, yeah. in the top yeah. fifty of RPI. That's what I'm getting at. Is their strength of schedules are all going to even out at the end of the season because you're going to get into conference play and that's going to make up a majority of your strength of schedule. But Vanderbilt early in the year just hasn't had as many cupcakes to lubricate that box score like these other teams have had. So they, they've they had a few games, Arkansas State, they put up 11 runs, they put up 11, 10, and 14 versus, De- oh, I'm reading off Ole Miss's Jesus. Uh, you might want to edit that one out, Billy. No, I, where, where am I pulling up here? They had a. They haven't really had any type of cupcake games. They put up 15 against Belmont. Yeah. Uh, there we go. An actually correct stat from me. 11 against Austin P. But when you look at Ole Misses, for example, as I meant to say and jumped the gun, they had Delaware at the beginning of the year. 11 runs, 10 runs, 14 runs. Then they had Arkansas State. 11 runs. Vanderbilt just didn't pad the box score at the beginning of the year, and it's all going to even out. Granted, I may be completely wrong. And the bats are worrisome. They are leaving a lot of guys on base. Maybe the flip or the switch doesn't flip at some point. I'm not ready to uh, lose faith in Tim Corbin just yet. No, and I don't think any Vandy fans should. And I think you're right, Will. Like, you know, this will probably help Vanderbilt down the road. You know, they get into the regional and super regional. They've played these good out-of-conference teams while Tennessee and LSU are playing – the sisters and brothers of the poor like you know i'm looking at tennessee box score almost every game they're they're putting up 14 15 runs and i look at who they're playing i'm like yeah you should be doing that like that's that's what college that's that's where college baseball is right now especially with some of those tennessee and lsu opponents so it's because tennessee also juices the bats <laughs> Loud and clear, we, we got you there. I I think I think there's some truth to that too. But uh, I think Jack Bolger is a guy, Trev. That you know we've I've been critical of him. I know people that have, but he's starting to find a groove a little bit at the DH role. So I think Bolger's a guy to watch. Vastine had a home run against Belmont. R.J. Austin is such a fun guy to watch. He had a four hit night against Belmont. And Vandy's hot right now. They they enter the weekend winning seven of their last eight games. So. I think it's just a good time for Van to to see what this team's got. You know, throw it out there, see what you got against the top ten team, and they've played good teams, like you said, Will. This isn't anything new. You know, they've seen good. The, the last little baseball comment that I have here is it's kind of funny. I just had to say just from the beginning, you said 
you know, if they don't pick it up, they may end up being a middle of the pack SEC baseball team, but still be that, ranked that, in the that, top. That, yeah. No, that that could be a top ten baseball team. Right, right now, yeah. Vanderbilt is the number six team nationally. Uh, they're also number five out of the SEC, so right. that's a pretty tough. Yeah. You can be a middle of the pack SEC team and still be literally a top ten team in the nation. SEC baseball is way more dominant than SEC football. And that is not an exaggeration. And I do not say that lightly. That's a I great totally point agree. because I think some people forget that even a lot of Vandy yeah. fans like that. We forget that this is the number six team in the nation right now. Like, you know, our standards the SEC are so much has higher. Six of the top seven teams in the country, according to D1 baseball. That's... And Tony Vitello, Trevor, before the season said his team didn't deserve to be in the top five. Like there's some teams out there in the SEC. Uh, it'll it'll even out. Yeah. I don't know if anybody has actually watched Tennessee baseball. They're not as good this year. Um, they are literally idiots on the base paths. Um, their pitching is suspect. <laughs> um, the, Tennessee is 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 not what they were last year. I'll also say too. Well, uh, just sort of piggybacking off what you guys say about um, all of us freaking out, and but Vanderbilt's competition has been really good. They also haven't lost a weekend series yet, exactly. so I mean it's, it's and so last funny. week it's last weekend so spoiled. Last weekend they were awesome. Out, yeah, last weekend they were outscored by Loyola Marymount, but they won the series. It's like yeah. guys, they they won the series, so. It's and so it's not just like saying they've played these top teams. Like they're five and three against top fifty RPI opponents. Yeah. It's not like Vanderbilt basketball, like they're four and nine. Like they they have a very good record yeah. against these good teams mm-hmm. as well. Hey, let's yeah. see how they do down the stretch in their final ten games, though. That 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 should matter uh, in baseball. And, and thank God we don't have to reference the net at all for baseball. Hey guys, God. losing to losing to Central Arkansas might do them in. I I don't know. That game might have. It's going to be hard to make up for that late in the year. And it's going to be hard. And if they get run ruled by Alabama or LSU, God forbid, you know that'll hurt them too. So, uh, man, I, this hurts still talking basketball, but. Guys, that'll bring us right into basketball. Um, I know Vanderbilt and, and Ole Miss have a big series this weekend, but I think a lot of the focus is still on Vanderbilt basketball. They beat Yale. But before we talk about that, guys, I know we talked about the snub and whether it's a snub or not, but I want to get to Miles Studi. I, I want to go there because this is a big talking point, and I, wa- I wasn't surprised. I saw some Vandy fans that that were like, what? Like, you know, some weird comments but Miles Studi put out on Twitter, here's the first paragraph, and this is understandable. He said, I would like to thank Vanderbilt and the men's basketball program for the opportunity to be a student athlete these past three years. I also want to thank the city of Nashville for all the support, and I wish all my former teammates the very best as they compete in the NIT. I will be rooting for them to bring home an NIT championship. But the second paragraph, this is where it gets interesting. He said, I've discussed this situation with my family. I've prayed on it, and today I've decided to enter my name into the portal and find a new home that will allow me to grow as a basketball player, maximize my ability to support my teammates, and help my team win basketball games. I saw a few comments, quote tweets, whatever you may 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 say it was, about him throwing shade. Do you guys think I do you guys think he was intentionally throwing shade? Because I, I don't think so, but I can see why some people would think that because of the way he worded it, you know, I want to find a new home that will allow me to grow, yada, yada, yada. So I want to throw that out. I don't think he was throwing shade. What do you guys think? I mean, yeah, there was, I, I didn't even read that far into it because I, you know, if, when I see the paragraph of a guy transferring, I read the stereotypical, thank you so much. Like if we, yeah. it was really that great of an experience, you loved it so much, you wouldn't be transferring. So whatever. <laughs> uh, the reason he's transferring is because of Colin Smith. I mean, that's why he's seeing, he ended the year. His shooting was getting progressive. I like Miles Studi. I want to say that before I get this yeah, opinion out. Yeah. I really like Miles Studi. Mm-hmm. No hard feelings here. Uh, I think he, I hope the best for him wherever mm-hmm. he lands and I hope he tears it up. But Colin Smith as a true freshman was getting better and better and better and better. And he was very good in the Yale game that I'm sure we will get uh, more into here on this episode. And this was a strategic, logical decision, I think, for Miles Studi. He was probably going to be a backup for a sophomore as a senior, and that's just probably not the position he wanted to be in. He can go to a 
different situation and maybe have a larger role and really be able to work on and develop more of a game than just being a complete spot-up shooter or a shooter coming off screens actually develop the ability to drive. Um, he just wasn't going to get that opportunity in this Vanderbilt offense, even if he did carve out a role and get back to shooting above 40% consistently from three, he still would be in the role of just a shooter plays drawn up for him to be a set spot shooter or coming off screens. He wouldn't really have a chance to develop as a player. So a little bit of shade maybe with how that was phrased a new home, but I mean, really that's just kind of honest. Like he just was not going to get the chance to develop at Vanderbilt. I don't think the fan base is mad at that decision. I think most people can see, why a guy is making a decision that kind of makes sense for everyone involved it's going to free up a roster spot allow Vanderbilt to address some needs whatever those needs may end up being uh, once we find out who officially officially is returning to this roster so you know shade whatever I I think it's probably best for everybody involved and the way Colin Smith has played uh, it's very exciting what he's going to be able to do next year yeah I think I think there maybe was a little tint of shade only yeah. because I don't think he addressed Stackhouse or the coaching staff in the entire um interesting in the entire release um which I don't know maybe I have my tinfoil hat on but he he didn't address Jerry he didn't address any of the coaching staff he did address his teammates that's fine um but I, I'm with Will. I think this is best for both parties. I like Miles, uh, even though he, as a lot of times, was incredibly frustrating to watch. Um, I think this was best for all parties involved. I think it's good for Miles to transfer because he's not going to be the guy that he was at the start of the season this year, like Will said. It's Colin Smith. Uh, I think right now, at this point in the season, we all can tell that Colin Smith's skill set is way more diverse than Miles right mm-hmm. now. Um, and I think it's good for Vanderbilt. I think it solidifies a spot for Colin to sort of play that position. I think he's better off the bounce. I think he's better in defense. Um, yeah, I think all around, I think it's I think it's good for Miles. I think it's good for the coaching staff. Yeah. Um, no ill will towards him. I think this is honestly best case scenario. Yeah, and Coach Stack said after the Yale game that, you know, Miles wanted a larger role with regards to facilitating and ball handling on the perimeter. Neither side saw that role being there. I mean, you know, Stack said that. He he also said we wouldn't be here without Miles, though. You know, Vanderbilt wouldn't be in a lot of these games without Miles. They may not have won as many games without Miles. Uh, but in SEC play, guys, he shot just 31% of his shots. He thought he made just 31% of his of his threes uh, in SEC play. Oh, sorry, Billy. Go ahead. I was I was just gonna say he only made thirty one percent of his threes in SEC play. Um, you know, and, and I think Miles is better than that. He probably knows he's better than that, but I think more of it was you know he wanted he wanted Smith's role, but Smith was was playing better. I mean that happens in in collegiate basketball, and uh, you know, but like like you said, well, no ill will or anything on on Miles. He did a lot, especially last year. I thought was a, he was a big piece last year, just not as big of a piece. And it's a bright spot for Vanderbilt that Smith was able to you know develop right in front of our eyes and take that spot. I mean, he's taking that spot, like you said, Will. Yeah, there are different different ways that guys transfer out, and I don't think we ever have the take of like screw that guy because it's all no. you know whatever is generally best for them is usually whatever. Like at the end of the day, but I don't know. Uh, there's a couple of guys who transferred out. There are a couple, of. but I would equate this Miles Studi like a little, <laughs> a little bit of the feeling of the Miles Studi transfer to like the Mike Wright transfer is. Like, I was gonna bring that up. While, yeah. while you that's were a here, great comparison. While world. you were here, you played hard, and you know did everything and he transferred out at the end of the season. I know it was before the NIT, but in my opinion, that's best for everyone as well, because it allows this team to play with the group that is going to be together next year versus having yeah. a guy that it already has in his mind that he's transferring out and the teammates would probably already know that he was transferring out. So I think it was done good timing and generally like and it- Mike Wright. I hope he doesn't go to another SEC team like Mike Wright did. Mississippi but, uh, State. Hope, yeah, I hope to see him <laughs> succeed. Or but, yeah, I think you're right, Will. Like, you know, as the program develops and gets better and has a guy like Colin Smith 
develop in front of our eyes, it's honestly a bright spot. I it, it, I, I don't like saying that about this this decision, but that's quite frankly what it is. You open up a roster spot, but you know, good on Miles for making the decision for himself. Um, and like you said, well, I agree. I agree that that you know it's better that he did it before the NIT, so that this team can really find out what they're going to be, you know, next year. Um, so Jordan Wright's still another guy. What's he going to do? You know, that's another big question out there. Is Jordan Wright staying or is he leaving? Um, so that, that'll be a big question to be answered uh, here down the stretch. But, guys, let's talk about Yale. Vandy beats Yale 71-62. Bulldogs went out a run late. They, uh, you know, I, I thought Yale might uh, might end up uh, winning that thing late there, but uh, Vandy withstood it. Uh, 21 wins, guys. That's the most in a season since 2015. Uh, they've won 11 of their last 13 uh, a little over 5,000 inside Memorial. Trevor, I know you were there. You were in the, uh, I think you were in the Bell Mead section there with uh, a lot of the older folks, but uh, did, not, in 2L, not in 2L. Uh, need you back in 2L against Michigan. Hey, hey, we'll be in 2L in Michigan. We will be in 2L in Michigan. As as God intended. <laughs> as God intended. Hey, row seven. Row seven, 2L, baby. <laughs> but no, I thought uh, obviously you didn't expect a huge crowd for Yale, but uh, it should be better. And, and Ron Slay talked about it at the end of the game. This should be a good turnout for Vandy and Michigan. Um, the tip off isn't ideal. Uh, 11 a.m. Some people may just still be waking up, but uh, we'll, we'll get into that that tip off time a little bit. But guys, Tyron Lawrence, 25 points, career high, seven of 12 from the field, three of five from three, eight of nine from the free throw line. Another quietly dominant night, not as quiet as some of his others. Yeah. He had he had a loud dunk. Uh, he hit a step back three that was a dagger there late. But guys, he put the team on his back. And you know we've seen Liam do that before. I think we've seen Jordan do that before. This was Tyron's turn to put the team on his back. And post game with the TV crew, he said, "We might as well go ahead and win this one, win the whole damn tournament." So they're in it, guys. Their 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 heads are in it. And Will, I, I laughed my ass off at your tweet right as the game started. Um, you said I, I didn't care, but damn it, these guys, the way these boys are playing, I'm in it now. <laughs> so I, I love that tweet. I think that's how a lot of Vandy fans were. They were like cautiously didn't want to admit that they were watching it, but they were watching. So uh, yep. no, just just a great performance all the way around. Ezra had a good game. Uh, Will 18 points. Uh, he was two for two from three. Ezra, if he can shoot, guys. If he can put a jump shot in his game, watch out. Watch out because he's an all SEC player if he can get a jump shot. Ooh, I mean Man Manion and Lawrence will. That's a pretty dynamic duo. Yeah, I didn't I didn't tweet a lot during the NIT game against Yale. Um, Billy, you mentioned that tweet that said I I think whatever I said was like, I didn't care, but damn it, how they how these boys are playing yeah. I'm in. <laughs> And then underneath, I said, oh, yeah. also, they reel also, you back I in. Said, I also said, I really didn't care, was also watching from the opening tip. Like, <laughs> I, don't, like, I don't even care what happens. Like, me sitting completely Listen, dialed into the game. Listens to the pregame radio show. Yeah, the entire time. Like, I'm thinking about it all day. I'm like, dude, I don't even care about this game tonight at 8 p.m. planning my entire day around. That's a microcosm of this team, though, honestly. <laughs> Really, that is the emotion the, the whole the whole year. But man, yeah. own, I, I saw a couple people comment, or at least one person commented underneath the other tweet I had during the game was, which was, if Manion develops a consistent jump Ooh. shot, dot dot dot. And somebody said, like, even he has good form, but even with where he's shooting now, I just don't see it. And I'm like, look, there are different levels of a jump shot. Okay. There are certain guys that are like Trey Thomas. That is their game. They're quick trigger. They need to be shooting 40 around that high, hot mid to high thirties from three. And most of their threes are going to be off of a screen, difficult shots, quick trigger, and they need to get hot. That is not the case for Ezra Mignon. When I say a consistent jumper, just the fact if teams have to stay within four or five feet of him, right. when he is around the three point line, that if they can't just leave him open from three, he's going to be literally unguardable. All he has to do is shoot like 30% unguarded from three, and he will become the best point guard in the SEC. And it, that jumper has definitely improved. You've seen yeah, him, and yeah. his confidence yeah. continues to build. It's not one of those. It doesn't have to be. So what if it doesn't look good? He, doesn't need to, he yeah. does not need to be Steph Curry. He doesn't need to be Riley Lachance. He is so damn quick and so good on the drive and so good off the pick and roll. Just adding 
20% of the equivalent of Riley LeChance's or Brad Tinsley's jump shot would make him literally unstoppable. So Magnon continuing to work on that jumper, man, that's what gets me excited about this team next year because how him and Lawrence have been playing, that could be be an absolutely dominant guard duo. Uh, in the SEC. I want to, I'm going to talk about something real quick, but if we could, I do want to address what you just said, Will, and Billy, you alluded to it. If next year, if Ezra, and I totally agree, if his jump shot could just maybe get a little bit better, but I don't even know a little bit better. If he could just heat check guys kind of consistently, and like you said, they have to play on him as opposed to leaving him, sort of unguarded on the perimeter. I mean, that's huge. But I'm going to say something, then if we could get back to this, I just want to kind of throw this out there. Where would a Tyron Lawrence, Ezra Magnon backcourt rank all-time for Vanderbilt next year? That, they've, they've, I mean, they've had some good backcourts. Yeah, that's that's a tough question. That's It would be the best we've seen in a long time, though. Like – Duo, duo, like if, duo, if you're just if you're yeah. just saying duo, then it would be up there. Um, just looking at the way they're playing right now. Yeah, and I think it's safe to us. I don't know if safe to assume. I think we can assume that they will progress next year too. Yeah, um, I mean, Cl- Clyde, look, Clyde Lee was that's, pretty damn that's good. That's a take I need to. I got yeah, combo. Yeah, combo. The the two of them in the backcourt together, not just single positions. Yeah. Um based on a, a one or two, but I'll think a duo it. backcourt. Um, but you know what, man? The the official basketball player of the door report. Shout out to Q and B, man. Three points away from a double double. 13 I, rebounds. I needed my man to get a double double so bad. I would have turned into a weapon of mass destruction memorial if Q and B <laughs> could have gotten a double double. But no, um yeah, I was at the game last night. Um, do not, I tweeted this out. Do not let the final score fool you. Yale mm-hmm. did not belong on the court with his Vanderbilt team. No, they, they took their foot off the gas in the second half. I think they got lackadaisical. They were like, ah, oh, which whatever. I don't care. Um, this game legitimately could have been a bloodbath that they wanted to, um, Yale did not belong on the court with Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt was the much better team. Um, even whenever Yale went on, I think they went on like a, a 12 nothing run at one point and Late, got it yeah. close. I I was never I honestly legitimately I was never worried. Um they were not in Vanderbilt's league. Um so disregard the final score. I think it was total domination in all facets of the game for Vanderbilt. Um Ezra did I don't want to worry right now because he's I, I'm not gonna worry. Well, don't worry. Don't worry. Ezra Magnon's turnovers a little bit. It's only because his turnover to assist ratio has been so good this season. We've been that even if he has like, yeah, I'm spoiled. I think that's what it is. And even if he has like two turnovers, I'm like, oh my God, the end is near. But (laughs) that is just, that's me totally being irrational. Um, So I'm not, I'm not going to get caught up in that. A big part of that also, Trevor, is is losing Liam as well. I mean, that's, that's a great a pretty, point. Yeah, that's a pretty great target to be tossing to on those pick and roll yeah. action. You can pretty much yeah, throw it up. That's no a great offense, point. we love QMB on this pod, but some of those passes that Liam easily handled and was able to dunk are are not assists, and some even turn into turnovers for Ezra. I that think. Would have been I think our. I think my man QMB lotions his hands up every time he goes to the bench. So (laughs) that's a theory. I think I think he moisturizes every time he goes to the bench. (laughs) Did you guys see he accidentally poked Jordan uh, in the eye and Jordan was down? He was down for a while. That's how that's how uh, you know dirty Q is. Uh, My man Q is just a tornado in the paint, man. But Trevor, to that to that question, Billy, you said you'd have to think on is would the duo potentially of Ezra Mignon and, and Tyron Lawrence be better than the Brad Tinsley John Jenkins duo? I, that's the one I was thinking of. But because I was obviously also... you can you can go back to to Foster and Byers. Right. Yeah, but... I was also thinking of I know Darius only played five games, but him and Saban, man, 
Whew, I mean, I, I, I that's probably not a you know even a, an option to say, but man, imagine if Darius and Saban had a full season together like that. But Trevor, I, I, I would say next year there, yeah, there's potential. I mean, they're up there. Next year's already. gonna be really fun to watch them play. Yeah, and yeah. Tyron, Tyron, you got to think is coming back. I mean, I, we haven't seen anything you know with him <laughs> even potentially not. Jordan is the key. I mean, if you get Jordan back too, that's a little icing on the cake before next season. Um, so, but mm-hmm. Trevor, you brought up Liam Robbins uh, or Will. I think it was you. It got me thinking yeah, about Will. Lee Dort. Um, it got me thinking about Lee Dort and, and what he did against Yale. Uh, I, you know, I wouldn't say one of his better games, but the kid's still a freshman. Are we ready to say, you know, Lee is, you know, is that is a star? I mean, I don't think he's a starter. Q still has that starter spot, but um, with Lee. He's almost already an X factor next season, you know, because you know of his development and what he might be able to do. Um, so, what did you think of, of of what you saw from Lee uh, last night? I know you were there, Trevor, but um, he's still he's got a lot of growing to do still. Uh, but I think for Vandy fans, he's an exciting guy to to watch and just see how he develops. Uh, it's going to be a huge off season for him because yeah. they're going to need they're going to need him. Yes, I'm. Tr- he he like you said he did not have his he did not have a good game last night. I'm trying. I'm I'm not really freaking out about it because for a for a big man like that to come off a foot injury, um, it's it's gonna take some time for him to yeah. sort of get used to game speed and in the pace of play. Um, that doesn't that doesn't worry me. Um, I I do agree though. I think he's gonna be an X factor next year. I I think you still sort of have to go into the portal and probably pull another big man. Um, because if one of those, if one of those guys goes down, you're kind of screwed. Um, I think, I think he's going to be, I don't, I don't want to say he's going to be the starter next year. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised. Um, It it, it depends on his development. Yeah, it does. Yes. And that's, that is totally going to take place over the summer. I have very, very high hopes for Lee Dort. I'll just say that I I have very very high hopes. You know I we'll see. I it will be interesting to comment on this team. I just want everything to be finalized on the roster uh, before mm-hmm. fully speculating on next season. But having a full off season without near as crowded uh, of a post room in in there because clearly from the beginning of this off season until now, Liam Robbins is the number one guy unquestioned, and QMB was the number two guy. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's just how it was. They had so much more experience than uh, Lee coming in, and he just probably didn't get a ton of first-team reps. And now, Trevor, you said it, coming off the foot injury, getting back up to game speed, already even when healthy before that foot injury, probably not as many reps as even Stackhouse would have liked to see him get just with the guys that were already there on the roster. So a full off offseason, uh, assuming that Lee Dort will be back, I know that's always the transfer portal yeah. in every single college mm-hmm. uh, college basketball fan's mind. But assuming Lee Dort is back and assuming Colin Smith, obviously, and Noah Shelby and uh, Paul Lewis, who we haven't really mentioned near enough, I think, on this podcast. I he's been I, Yeah, I, I wanted to get to him. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about him. I love Real quick. Time, dude, I'm excited to see the development and jump for these guys from freshman to sophomore year, not coming from high school to college, a full year adjusted to the speed of the college game, getting more reps and rotation in with the first and second teams, getting a lot more minutes continuity, uh, which is a great stat uh, that I love to read on off of Ken Palm. So man, Vanderbilt going into next year, assuming that all of our hopes about this roster hold true, uh, it could be that step forward. I know a few episodes ago we talked about not really being able to see a path for improvement for this roster and losing Liam Robbins, but with how they've played since he went down with that injury in the Kentucky game, uh, it's gotten my hopes up. It's it's no doubt about it. I'm ready to get hurt again, Billy and Trevor. <laughs> and, and real quick uh, on Q, we were talking about Q. I think him coming back can't be underrated or slept on. I think that's mm-hmm. huge for Lee Dort mm-hmm. to take yep. the pressure off of him because – even if Q goes down, you know, for a limited time, Lee Dort is still ready. Like he could, he could start games, but Q coming back, I think is huge for even a young guy like Carter Lang coming in or another transfer they bring in to show them the way, you know, Q, Q's our starter. If you're Stackhouse, you're telling these guys, Q's our starter, but you guys will have opportunities 
to to learn under him. Q knows he's like a coach on the floor. That's huge. I didn't think much of Q coming back initially. Uh, you know, I was like, okay, you know, Q's coming back. I started to think about some of the guys around him and how he can help them. I think that's huge. I think Q coming back is big, guys. But, Will, you talked about Paul Lewis and some of the guards. Paul played a lot against Yale, and, and we that's what we thought with, with Studi transferring uh, and not on the roster anymore, which is a little weird. It's, it's a little weird going into the NIT, mm-hmm. but that's the fact out there. And Paul Lewis played a lot more. We didn't see Noah Shelby, I don't think. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if we see Noah at all. Um, but even a guy like a Trey Thomas played more. I thought he played he played Ansong. well. Yeah, Ansong. Ansong actually guys, played very, very well. Ansong so athletic. Maker. He's he's a freak. I yeah, mean, I he like didn't jump out the gym. Yeah, that that pass ahead to Lawrence. Um, I think it was uh, to, was, to off get a, to, was off his block. Yeah, and then Q's little scoop pass there, like. These guys have chemistry. Like this team has a has a chemistry that I think we're 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 continuing to realize. And Song's another guy. You know, if he can get better, well, I mean, he can be a weapon on this team. You know, so it, 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 you just look at. Uh, are you are you thinking about his eligibility, Will? For Ansong? yeah, I was thinking because about I think that. that's a good question because he was honored, uh-huh. so he may not be coming yeah. back. Actually, now yeah, that I'm I think not of sure. It. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm but, saying we gotta wait. We gotta wait and see. We gotta how wait. Settles Let's out. wait. We also have to wait. For Saturday, 11 a.m. tip-off, Jerry Stackhouse against Juwan Howard. I know these players are facing off against each other, and that's what matters. Hunter Dickinson versus QMB. That's the matchup to watch, but this is pretty damn cool. Stackhouse versus Howard. First matchup with Michigan since 03, so Vandy never plays Michigan. They've only played them eight times. Michigan's coming off a win over Toledo at home on Tuesday. Hunter Dickinson's the key here, guys. He is an absolute load down low. Uh, he, he led their run last year. Uh, they, they beat Tennessee in the tournament last year. This is a good team. This is probably the next best team behind Vanderbilt in that region. Clemson just lost. They lost to Moorhead State, so Vandy's the highest team in their region. So even if they beat Michigan, they still have another home game after that. And if they win that, they're heading to Vegas. So it's out there for And Rutgers guys. is already out. Right, so Vandy's also these idiots thought Rutgers should be in the tournament. Freaking morons lost to Hofstra. Well, it's the idiots that put Nevada in the tournament as well. What's that score, Will? Uh, I think it was like fifty-three to twenty-six last time I. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and Nevada's in the tournament. That was actually one of yeah. That was one of my that. The, the Nevada team in particular was one that was like a great example of the opposite end of being completely overrated. Boy, that's a head scratcher. Cool. That is a that's a big time head scratcher. Too many Mountain West teams in the tournament as at large. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But Vandy and Michigan guys, same time as the baseball game. I know there was a <laughs> Aria hated it, uh, and I get her her uh, on Twitter. She she immediately tweeted about. I know you tweeted about it too, Trevor. Uh, but Will pisses me off. Will before we got on here, he gave me a great explanation, and I was thinking the same thing. Him and his dad were going back and forth about it uh, through text and. You know, the, the audience of the Vanderbilt baseball game against Ole Miss is a little bit different than that Vanderbilt-Michigan audience on ESPN. Number one, the baseball team is playing on ESPNU. Um, I don't like the tip-off time, but I understand it because there's NCAA tournament games all day. There will probably be more eyes on it because of that. You know, 11 a.m. to 1, and then you start watching the tournament games. So I think this helps Vanderbilt. Um, <laughs> so, Vanny fans, just calm down. I know no. you want to go to the, I, <laughs> no. I, Whoever I decided this should be put in federal prison. That's that's <laughs> my take. Whoever decided this should literally be put in solitary confinement, twenty five to life. Okay, all all three thousand people that'll be tuned in. Don't you what dare ES, say that. Which is what Don't ESPN say that. Which is what ESPN cares about. Okay, they want the most eyeballs on the product, and if they put a matchup of two well-known programs with two well-known coaches during the NCAA tournament game. It won't be watched. That would be stupid. And whoever made that decision would actually be fired from their job because they will actually lose viewership to NCAA tournament games because the average person is going to choose the NCAA tournament over the NIT tournament. Which I know no. the tournament's already included in the NIT name. Take your viewers and shove it, ESPN. But it doesn't even compare. 
Okay, they're going to choose the NCAA tournament 100 out of 100 times. And that just is what it is. So this was maximizing the eyes on this Vanderbilt basketball game. The people, Which is good. the sickos that are going to watch every pitch uh, of an 11 a.m. first pitch regular season college baseball game. I mean, I think they are going to watch regardless of what else is on that television if they're choosing that over the NCAA tournament game. It's so funny watching the battle between Vandy basketball fans and Vandy baseball fans. Like there's some Vandy baseball fans that will never step foot in Memorial. Uh, you know, even if, you yeah. know, even if it's, it's, there's, it's not even baseball season. I just, I love that, that little rivalry, but Trevor, you blatantly disagree, huh? I, I hate it. I, I understand from a viewer aspect with that being said, ESPN, you can shove it on your viewers. I don't care. Um, I love the Vandy boys. I love Vandy basketball. Um, I was going to go. Uh, shoot, I might go to the Thursday game tomorrow. You, I'm already gonna, going to the Friday game. Are you going to um, go to both um, on Saturday, switch back? And so we'll talk about Saturday, but I want to I want to put this out into the okay. ether. And I want to I want to throw these vibes out here. If anybody from Vanderbilt listens to this, Please let fans who have either a basketball ticket or a baseball ticket, let them go to and fro. Like at halftime. That's a great idea. At halftime, I want to go and watch the Vandy boys. Or if there is like a long TV delay or something, I want to be able to go poke my head out and be like, oh, three, two, bottom four. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't – and I also – I'm just not sure how they're even going to police it because, as all of you know, Hawkins is connected to Memorial. So if you sit in the outfield, to go get your concession stands, you have to go into the Memorial right. gym concession stands. Um, so I'm not sure how they're going to police that. I don't know. Uh, just at halftime, let me go out and watch the Vandy boys. Um, that's all I want. Whenever the basketball game tips back off, I'll go back in and sit in my seat. Um, but at halftime, please let me go watch the baseball game. You better, uh, you know, beware of the ushers, the the green shirts, because they'll be watching you. Those, uh, Gosh, some of those dudes are. Those I'm ushers. I'm gonna say it because they salute the ushers, but dear God. <laughs> The, uh, God. Hey, they'll, they'll be watching. They'll be watching. So maybe those are the those are the people that needed. I might the, have uh, to shave my. I might have to shave my mustache in the Memorial Gymnasium bathroom. That's like a. <laughs> they like, like, didn't you just have a mustache? I'm like, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> just wear that band. Wear that bandana. You'll get into anywhere. I'm, Literally, I'm I'll just that. I'll I'll somehow shove my baseball jersey in my pants, and he's like, "Didn't I just see you?" I'm like, "I'm wearing a basketball jersey, dude." No. <laughs> Wait, are you Vandy Lance? Yeah, of course you can get in here. <laughs> <laughs> then then I would get escorted out into handcuffs. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, which, guys, which might happen eventually. I don't know. <laughs> We'll I've walked out of Vanderbilt Stadium from a football game shirtless. So, I mean, I've thrown my shirt onto the field after after a certain game. So, I mean, I'm sure at some point one of me or you, Trevor, will have a run in. Do you remember the guy who did that during the Vanderbilt um, – Just I hate to be off topic, but the Vanderbilt Ole Miss game, Derek Mason's first season, 2014, the guy threw his shirt onto LP Field <laughs> no. and got escorted out? Well, I kind of like, do. Was yes, I do. Yes, yeah, I do. It was, was he was me. so pissed off over over <laughs> Vanderbilt football that he threw his shirt onto even LP if I don't field have a memory of that. Out. I've created a memory of that in my head. <laughs> That's awesome, dude! Shout out to that, that guy. I hope he listens. That emotion kinda, from that game was kind of like a a dream slash nightmare. It was like watching in a haze after so, having yeah. watched that Temple game the week before. Re- it was like what the hell is going whenever on? I have too much melatonin before I sleep, my nightmare is that game. <laughs> oh man Eric Mason a... from 2014 Old Miss game at LP Field formerly that... known as LP Field is Look, my that sleep temp- paralysis that demon. Temple game was the, the Temple game was my sleep paralysis game I'll never ever yeah. ever forget that game there's a oh, rain delay there's a storm delay it that... was dead empty in the entire stadium Temple scored another touchdown to bury Vanderbilt further in the dirt and uh, the jerseys, Nigel Bowden, number 52, I believe he was the time I could be misquoting that yep. number. I remember him going really loud. And I remember that infuriating me to my core because I was like, man, if you're really that upset about it, how about you do something about it? Uh, but 
you know, that's the fever dream game and the uh, eternal <laughs> nightmare of being a Vanderbilt fan, Trevor and, and that, Billy. That is just the joy we have here on TDR. <laughs> that Ole Miss game, that was sort of the salt in the wound, like real beginning yeah. of the end. Like we're gonna have to watch Wade Freeback and Stephen Rivers duel it out at the quarterback position this year. Stephen like, Rivers, that, that, good God. That's where we're at right now. But Stephen Rivers, ask- five or C, you all fight your <laughs> six seven self. I don't care. <laughs> he was tall. He was really he was really tall. Uh, and those ugly uniforms they wore that game. Oh, my gosh. White helmet, those gold jerseys with the black shoulder pads and white <laughs> pants. I'll never forget it, Billy. I'll never forget it so long as I live. That was part was of the misery. Dude, it was almost like like the uniform designs became a parody of themselves throughout <laughs> the Derek Mason era. It was like, how Y'all many another story. Fucking, how many chains and anchors can we just <laughs> slap on this bad boy? Like how great it was every in every freaking uniform. Every year it got worse. Caps, shoulder yes. caps, shoulder caps. I'm like those we need are, shoulder caps. First off, they, anchors everywhere just in anchor, the jersey yeah. numbers Chains on the name. Anchor down, I guess. With this weird dead gray color, like dead. It wasn't even the a good section, like the deep sea or something like that. Oh, Take you out the deep Rel- waters, baby. RTI, deep water, baby. relentless deep water. <laughs> intelligent. <laughs> oh, the glory God. days. The glory days of Vandy football, right there. Guys, Every before... Vandy fan who's going to listen to this is just at that part who's going to be like begging their tests. <laughs> These are all trigger words. Like this RTI. Is oh my God. Oh God. I need to put a trigger warning at the, at the start of that, Billy. <laughs> I will. I will. But guys, Michigan Vandy, uh, a couple thoughts. How do they attack Dickinson? Do you, do you double him? Do you. Do you send Q? Do you just let Q go to work? Let Q cook. Uh, Lee is going to have to play. Uh, Q, if you're Q, you can't get into foul trouble. So that's uh, that's the key. It's it's weird hyping up another basketball game, but it's kind of nice we get get the chance to do it. Should be a good crowd, yeah. like I said. It, it, you know, this should be a decent turnout. Michigan fans they haven't gotten to go to Memorial Gym in Nashville in a while. It could be a decent turnout of them. Um, so 11 a.m. Hunter Dickinson is the key. I mean, Vanderbilt obviously do do what they do at home. Tyron, Ezra, Jordan Wright, those guys. But if they can't guard Hunter Dickinson, I don't know how this will go. I mean, that, it's kind of a Shebway type Kentucky game where, you know, he's going to get yep. his, but are they meaningful points? Are they meaningful rebounds? So that's it for me. Um, I, I, I think D- Dickinson's the key. I don't know anyone else on Michigan other than Dickinson. So, uh, but it'll be fun. I mean, it's nice, guys. Like, to see a winning product again, like even the Yale win, I know we haven't, you know, hyped it up a, as much as we have a regular season game, but it's nice to see this team win, keep winning, and, and keep playing. So I know it's the NIT, Will, but it doesn't feel quite feel like last year's NIT. Like last year's NIT was fun. It was, you know, it was, you know, if we lose, okay. If we win, okay, it's cool. But this year it's like they can win it. Like they, they can win this whole tournament. I think this team kind of has the same vibe. Obviously, they're playing it, so it's a different level. But the fan base, this feel last year felt like the run they made in the NIT, like that was a that was stepping forward, and like it was fun, it was exciting. The fan base was behind it. This year feels like almost like a business trip. Like if no one is happy about being here in the NIT. I, I don't think the players are happy about it. But if they still have basketball left to play they're going to play. And that's what I was wondering how they were going to come out because being disrespected as a three seed might have just been the last little bit of fuel that they needed as opposed to being like a one seed and the sickening feeling of being close to being an NCAA tournament would have set in even more, but there are two directions that can go. I mean, Vanderbilt's the highest remaining seed. Uh, Trevor and you mentioned it in their, in their region in the NIT. So I don't know anybody else besides Dickinson. It's you perfectly summed it up. It's pretty much mm-hmm. the same strategy as going into uh, the Kentucky game. You just have to contain him. QMB has got to stay out of foul trouble and Lee Dort's got to play better than he did against Yale. And that's a pretty simplistic answer. But if Mignon and Lawrence play the way that they did, this Vanderbilt team is going to be a pretty tough out in this tournament. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did read up a little bit on this Michigan basketball team and apparently yeah, Hunter Dickinson is the star. Um, I totally agree. I think you probably have to play him like Sheboy. I he's not nearly as athletic, or I think even as physical as Sheboy. Um, I think he has a little Michigan, bit better mid range than Sheboy. Yes, a little bit. 
so yeah, he he might challenge Q in that he might bring him out a little bit deeper than Shibwe was. Um, but if that's the case, that's fine because Shibwe killed Vanderbilt on the boards just because he just stood under the basket the entire time. So if you bring him out and we're able to box somebody out and get more boards, the more the merrier. Um, Michigan, from what I read, has been very bad on defense this year. Um, they are not a, points a game. Yeah, Ooh. they are not a good defensive team. Um, I think if I'm Vanderbilt, if I'm Jerry Stackhouse, I mean, just do what you do best. Let let Ezra do his thing at the one. Let him facilitate. Let him score whenever he needs to. Let him drive. QMB, if you – I mean, brother, give it all you got. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Q, give it all you got. Dort is going to need to have a little bit of a better game. I think Jordan Wright is going to need to have a better game. Uh, mm-hmm. Against Yale, he had an off night. Um, I think he only scored five points. Um, seemed like he could never get in the flow. His shots weren't falling. Um, he was just, he was super inconsistent on offense. Um, he is, he is going to need to have a better game. Um, but yeah, this, I don't want to give a prediction, but I feel, I feel good. Um, I feel, I feel 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 really good about this game. Yeah. I'm muted, but I don't want to give one either, but I'm also feeling very good. And yeah. just we, you know, don't give much credence to this. There's no line out yet for this game, but Vanderbilt, according to ESPN's matchup predictor, has a 57.6% chance of winning this game. So Vanderbilt oh, has not Vandy's been loved by the analytics, but they are uh, loved by the ESPN matchup predictor in this one. Guys, this could be their toughest game left in the NIT. I think you look at the rest of the field, Moorhead State, Vandy beat them by 30 earlier this year. They just beat Clemson. Um, Hofstra beat Rutgers. Like, Vandy might be playing Hofstra in Vegas if they if they keep winning, you know? So, I, I think this is the this, – this Michigan team and Vandy are the two best teams in the, in the NIT left, I think. I know Florida was playing UCF tonight. Like, that other side of the bracket does not look very good. So, uh, a Vegas trip for this team, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, and to beat Michigan, that'd be pretty cool. So – why not? Maybe TDR to Vegas. Yeah, Florida. Florida lost sixty-seven to forty-nine. So to UCF, like mm-hmm. there's some Whoa. teams out there. Wow. There's there a lot of these high major teams don't care, like they don't care. So for Vanderbilt to still be out here wanting to prove a point, I saw Will Kleinert on Twitter uh, comment under Tyron Lawrence's broken heart tweet that almost made me cry. Will Kleinert oh, said, "Oh God, that was tough." Will Kleinert that said, was, "That made me sad." Go win it all and basically shove it in the committee's face at the trophy presentation in Vegas. And I'm like, that that's pretty cool. Uh, I, A&M went on a whole like smear campaign last year uh, when they won the NIT yeah. after not getting in. So I don't know if Andy will do that, but I'm sure they'll make a statement somehow, some way. If they keep winning. So Vandy, Michigan, 11 a.m. It's same time as the baseball game. So good luck to any double Vandy baseball basketball fans uh, trying to trying to watch those two get into Memorial and have your phone open with the game or go to the Hawk, have your phone open with the basketball game. It's it's not that hard. I know Trevor's still pissed off, uh, but the audience is a little bit different. <laughs> but guys, yeah. that'll do it. Uh, see y'all at Memorial Vandy and Michigan. If they keep winning, it could be a Vegas trip under the sleeves for this team. You've been listening to another episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors.